Golf shouldn't be taken so seriously. What did you shoot today? Oh, I don't keep score, Judge. The score doesn't always matter. Oh, well, how do you measure yourself with other golfers? My height. It's the breakfast ball of radio shows. <laughs> Your shot of golf talk. This is Gimme Par with Vogler. That is right. Welcome back to another edition of Gimme Par with yours truly, Vogler. Hope you're doing well. What a day it is. We are celebrating John Rahm's first ever major victory. He's been in the mix many, many times, but man, what a moment and what a day it was for John Rahm shooting an incredible 67. He was in one of the last pairings of the day. And let me tell you guys, 67 was not out there. And yeah, we're going to get into what was out there and, and the epic, epic meltdown of the defending U.S. Open champion, Bryson DeChambeau. But man, what a day it was for John Rahm. I don't remember ever being so glued to my TV watching a golf tournament towards the end. Yeah, I was excited when Phil won the PGA, but he was kind of in the mix and, and kind of had a comfortable lead pretty much all day. As long as he did what he needed to do, he was pretty much in the lead, and there was not going to be that many people that were going to be able to pressure him into doing and into taking the title that he rightly deserved. This was a comeback job from somebody who has been through so much over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he was in the lead. At, he was playing the best golf of probably his career, a couple of weeks ago at the Memorial, he had a six-shot lead going into the final day of competition. He was notified, if you don't know the story, he was notified after round number three that he had tested positive for COVID. He had to withdraw because of the guidelines and all that stuff that the PGA put into place. He was already in COVID protocol to begin with at the beginning of the week because of contract contact tracing. He had became positive. He had to pull out and a big tournament a huge tournament, one of the biggest tournaments of the year when it comes to just regular events he had to pull out of. He was just about to win it. And, man, it, it was incredible just to see what he was able to do going through quarantine this week. All this stuff, he has become a major champion. Hats off to him. It was it was one of those things where I was watching the broadcast, and it was tough. We're not going to get into broadcast takes per se right now because I think there's a lot to say about the, the the broadcast in general, NBC, CBS, and so many other areas of, of, okay, well, this happened, and then that happened. But all in all, it was a fun Sunday of golf. You had everything that you wanted to. You had an epic meltdown of the defending champion, one of the, the most talked-about guys in sports. You had a interesting top-heavy leaderboard. I mean, I'm just going to run down the top seven that were all within, you know, three or four shots of the lead, or two or three shots, really, of the lead all day long until Rom kind of took over in his last couple of holes. I mean, there's John Rom, Louis Oosthuizen, Harris English, Guido Migliozzi, sorry about that, we got Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Brandon Grace, Daniel Berger, Paul Casey, Xander Shoffley, and I mean Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy. The list goes on and on. And, and it's crazy to me because 
There are so many athletes on this list who were so close and had such a great shot at taking the lead or expanding on a great week of golf already. And that back nine just crushed, crushed the competition. It crushed everybody but John Rahm. Louis Oosthuizen had a perfect opportunity. He was one stroke down. He was one down with two holes to go. Two holes that he has played exceptionally well all week long. 17 comes up. It's got all hazard on the left. The entire right side of the hole is open. What's he do? He takes it up the left side. It doesn't slice enough. He gets into the hazard, has to take a drop. He makes part, he makes bogey on that hole. He's two shots back, has to eagle the 18th hole, which he's done before. He did that the day before. And man, wasn't able to do it. <clears throat> Hit it, his first tee shot into the rough. And that was pretty much when the fat lady sang and said, Hey, John Rahm, congratulations. It's just crazy to me to see all of this happening. And just to know what John Rahm has been through over the last couple of weeks. The emotional toll of losing out on $1.5 million in a huge, huge tournament victory at Jack's place. Knowing how he handled that, respect to him. Nothing but respect at the time. I was like, man, this guy should have done this. He should have done that. John Rahm has come out and admitted that he was wrong. He should have gotten the vaccination earlier. He came out and has been very adamant about the statements that PGA put out and said, hey, they were right to do what they did. I'm the one that messed up. I should have been more careful. I should have gotten the vaccine earlier. This was my fault. I was in COVID protocol the entire week. I knew it was a possibility that this could happen. And it's crazy because very rarely at least nowadays, because there are so many great golfers that are playing, so very rarely do you ever see an odds-on favorite actually win the tournament, especially a U.S. Open. And I believe John Rahm was the favorite coming in. I think he was at plus 600 odds to win the entire thing just because of how his golf game has been recently. He is the new number one in the world. And and let me tell you guys, it is in, it is, it's incredible to me to see someone like that be put up on such a high pedestal. You got to think that he had more pressure coming into this tournament than anybody else coming into it. More pressure than Brooks, more pressure than Bryson, more pressure than Rory, obviously more pressure than Louie. Talk about Louie, and, and we talk about this all the time, and I know we just started the podcast, but I've talked about this all the time. Louie is one of those guys that... He's always in the mix, but he's always forgotten about. If you want a surefire bet for a major for the for the Open Championship coming up, if you want a surefire lock, Louis Oosthuizen, top 10. It's going to happen. He is so good at these majors and just always comes up just short. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Rom because Rom did incredible, but Louis kind of... He let it slip away there in the last couple of holes. Holes that he, had, I, I'm pretty sure they said he had been playing 16, 17, and 18 at minus 7 this week. So he went into those holes with a lot of confidence. Maybe too much confidence. 
obviously having that hole or having, you know, hitting it into the hazard in on 17 was a big crusher for him. But you know what? At the end of the day, congratulations to John Rahm because I think that's really the story. Those birdie putts on 17 and 18 will go down in history as some of the best clutch performances in major championship history. He's only the fourth ever Spaniard to win a major. Think Seve Ballesteros, Sergio Garcia, um, Olathabel, and now John Rahm being put up in. And and I get it. I know a lot of people out there were like, man, I, I wish an American would win this. I really just wanted to see an American win the, the U.S. Open, this, this, and that. And I get that. But it was just very cool to see overall how well John Rahm played, especially in that backstretch when so many other athletes, so many other golfers were fading. He wasn't fading. He was moving up. And we can't talk about fading and how things are going. And you can't think of an absolute high to an absolute low without talking about the defending U.S. Open champion, Bryson DeChambeau, who finished his day at plus three, plus six for the day. He had a one-shot lead in the tournament. He had a one-shot lead in the tournament going in to the final nine holes. And he was ahead of of Louie and, and Henley and those guys, the leaders, by a few strokes. He, by a couple of holes, but he shot a 44 on the back nine. It just an absolute meltdown. I think he had a couple birdies on the front nine. Yep, he had a birdie of five and a birdie at eight on the front nine. Turned the corner with a one-shot lead, and then it just all fell apart. 11, he bogeyed. 12, he bogeyed. He got a seven on the par five 13th. And then he got an eight on the part. And, and by that point, it was just kind of out of it. I think he was just ready to, to wrap things up. And I, I got to hand it to him. As frustrated as I'm sure it was for him to, to go into this tournament as the defending champion, he played those, nine, those first nine holes brilliantly. And I understand that this the back nine is where you really make the money. And that's really where these athletes can, you know, make a big difference. And you saw they did make a big difference, but it was incredible to me just to see how big of a drop off that he had going from tying for the lead and having the lead to dropping so far down. I don't even, I think he tied for 31st, 26th, tied for 26th which isn't bad. It's not a bad finish. He's still going to get a good payday. But man, what could have been? It just seems like for him, someone that is so caught up in the numbers, and I'm going to be very curious and very interested to see how he does when it comes to when they take the green reading books out of it because he is so much about the numbers. I don't think it's going to affect his his golf game that much, but putting's a big, big part of the golf game, of course. And if you don't have a way to read the greens, someone that is so ingrained in the numbers and and that relies on the numbers so much, Bryson, I think, may have a trouble with that more than anyone else. A lot of people up there, and I'm not saying that everybody doesn't 
you know, rely on those green reading books just like anybody else. Of course they do. They're allowed. You're going to rely on them. But at the end of the day, I think one guy who has ingrained and almost tried to beat the system when it comes to playing the game of golf. Bryson, I think, is going to have more of a trouble with that than anybody else. And we're going to find out what happens next year. Obviously, it's a little bit far ways away. I don't think they're going to start implementing that rule until the next season. So we'll have to see that. We'll keep you updated if we hear anything from our sources down the road. But it's just crazy. I mean, you, you look at this this as a whole, and we look at this golf game, and Bryson almost became human there for a bit. Because when he turned the corner, you're like, man, he is he's on a roll. He is going to destroy this back nine. He is going to defend. He's going to be the back-to-back U.S. Open champion. And then that first slip-up, then that second slip-up, that third slip-up, and then by the time that third slip-up happened, I think he was just trying to get through the round. I know he had a distraction on 13. There was a, a fan that went out there, shot a couple shots into the water, was tackled, all that stuff. I know there's a little bit of a weight, but I don't think Bryson cared. He's a slow player anyway, so I don't think the weight really bothered him that much. But I think at 17, he was just like, man, I just want to get it over with. I'm ready to get out of here. So many things went wrong. He shanked a shot out of the bunker, out of the the rough there. And you, you felt for the guy because everybody's been there. Everybody has been in that situation where you have a great hole and then the next hole, you, you, you max stroke limit. And like that's the hard thing for us and I think that's the hard thing for people to understand like why would you want to go play this golf this game of golf when it's so so frustrating yes it is frustrating one I would say 80% of the time maybe even 85% of the time golf may be the most frustrating sport in the world but it's that 15% that keeps you coming back I mean, that's why we, we have those three things in our in our mantra for Gimme Par. Play golf, approach the game of golf with a positive attitude, and then to return to play. Because we can say over and over that we quit, we retire. But you know what? That's not true. We're gonna we're gonna go back out there. We are going to play again, and we are gonna love every second of it until we hit a bad shot. Then we're gonna hate the world. Just how it is. But incredible work by by John Rahm. It, it was a fun, fun weekend to watch, and it was a fun tournament to watch. Was there that much going on in terms of is Torrey a great place to have a U.S. Open? I don't think so. I don't think it sets up as an exciting place to play, but I will tell you this, and I know it has a lot to do with the TV coverage and, and how they present things and of all that nature. I will say this one thing. I was impressed with how dramatic it felt toward the end of the tournament. Once the leaders made the turn, once it was kind of the home stretch for everybody playing, you knew it was a big feeling tournament. You knew it was the U.S. Open, so obviously there's a lot of pressure in there. But you knew what Louis had to do to keep the lead and then John Rahm on 17 and 18 sinking both of those per- birdie putts. Two incredible putts. 
Not just your straightforward. I mean, he had to really work for those birdie putts, especially on 18. Hit that third shot into the sand, or that second shot into the sand. Had to get up and down for a birdie. Impressive. Some other names that we talked about that, you know, kind of had an upsetting showing. And you're going to wonder, dang, the drought continues for these people. But, man, what could have been? They just sunk some putts. Rory McIlroy was in the mix the entire day. The entire day. I mean, he birdied four in the front nine. I mean, that's good. Par golf is good at the U.S. Open. And then, man, he just could not sink any putts. He had a bogey, a double, a birdie, and then another bogey, and then finished out par par. But he is one of those guys where you wonder, man, what is the when is he going to win another major? It just has been so long. It's been seven years, I think they said. He wins tournaments during the year. I know he's tried to do a lot with his game. But when is this guy going to win another major? And I don't know. I think the, the the Open Championship is the best chance for him to win another major. Just because it's very open. you got to really rely on your irons. And I think he's a great iron player. One of the best in the game. But man, he just could not putt the ball today. And you almost seem that that's a consistent thing with him. And I don't know if it's the yips. I don't know if, what's going on. But it's it's good to see that he he's just one or two things away from putting it all together and winning another major championship. He just can't putt. And I understand. That's a huge thing. That is the ultimate thing when it comes to golf. You know the saying, you drive for show, you putt for dough. And that is 1,000% correct. Rory just needs to get that putting underway, and he'll be fine. Another couple of names that I love to see at the top of the leaderboard all weekend long. I don't know if he was really in the mix at all. I know he was kind of up there on on Saturday a little bit, but it was Francesco Molinari. We haven't heard from him or seen him that much in a major championship for a while. And remember, he had that run there back in 2018 where he was in the 2018, 2019, right after he won that he was the champion golfer of the year, won the Open Championship, did the Ryder Cup, was outstanding at the Ryder Cup with Tommy Fleetwood, was the runner-up or you know top five at the PGA, was top five at the Masters. I mean, he had that run, that year run, where, man, he was unstoppable. You could not, he was not hitting a bad shot in that year. It was incredible to watch him play golf during that year. Unfortunately, he tied for 13th, didn't have a shot par, even par on that first on that uh that last hole that last round, um, but he also had a five under or a five over round in round two, almost didn't make the cut, but was able to squeak in there and, and make it happen. But it, it is so cool to see Francesco Molinari or Francesco Molinari start to play good golf, and I'm excited to see how things are going on, guys. As we wrap this up. I want to say how excited I was to watch this as a whole. It was so much fun to see this and to see John Rom. Congratulations to him. A very cool moment was while John Rom was warming up or at the range, getting ready for a potential playoff with Louie. 
Uh, Phil brought a couple of chairs for his wife and his baby to just chill and watch them on the range. Class move by Phil. They had a picture of uh, Phil hugging Rom at the PGA, and now it's reversed, and he was hugging him. One Man, just a cool moment. You could really see that brotherhood. That, and that's what's very cool that you don't see that often on the tour in professional sports is athletes cheering for other athletes, especially in the middle of the competition. Well, that's going to do it, guys, for Gimme Par. Thank you so, so much for tuning in for episode number two. We hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed bringing it to you, and we definitely hope to see you again next time. Keep it locked here. Make sure you subscribe, like, review, rate, review, follow, whatever you got to do, wherever this is, you can follow it and make sure you don't miss an episode. Give me pars, signing off. But don't forget our three rules. You got to play golf. You got to approach the game of golf positively. You just got to return. Always return. Turn to listen to the, to give me par. And of course, PGA Tour still underway. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace.